uh, issue. That's well. I, the guy that can maybe ask some questions to is I just let him. I finally, I finally let you in, Rich. I know, I, man. I was on for like ten minutes. I, I, I told him. Well, this is a guy that usually comes in late and leaves early because he gets bored early, easy. I know. But I um, I, I, I try to go that. through like a little bit of our chapter, have a little bit of a time together, and oh, then we pop ahead. into the. So um, is, is it okay for me to record this, Rich? Sure. All right. So one thing, guys, last class we had, we talked about a couple of businesses that I couldn't make a podcast out of just because I think we, um, I don't want to identify companies unless it's actually that great story, then I don't, that's great because I'm sure they wouldn't mind it being in a podcast. So just be mindful of that if you wanted to say company X right. or whatever. Um, so without, and by the way, Rich, now I'm not this uh, smart to think this far in advance, but this chapter actually has a line has a section called choosing and using a lawyer. So who would have thought that I could actually be that like prescient to be that planned in advance. But um, I just want to do a little intro of Rich and then I'll, we'll, we're going to have a conversation. Um, so it's very much a Q and A. And um, if you guys have any questions, just kind of wait for there to be a little bit of a break and then kind of wave your hand and I'll, uh, I'll call you. Cause I know Rich loves to take questions and, and hear what you guys are thinking. But I just want to give a little bit of an intro that Rich used to be, uh, have his own firm called Honan & Wood. And I was introduced to him. I was new reporter, um, new reporter to this paper. I've been a reporter for a while, but I never really covered business, working for the business review. And a colleague of mine suggested, um, this guy, Rich, knows like the tech community really, really well. Now, my colleague had, Rich was a great source for her. And she got mad at me jokingly because I started talking to Rich way more than she did. She's like, you know, you just like took my source, you know, but Rich knows so many of the business people in the business community. He's a go-to person for many people. He does, um, he's extremely knowledgeable, but he's also extremely, um, he just loves to give back to the community. And so he's, he's extremely generous with his time. And so when I started working at the business at um, the biz lab, which I mentioned that, that accelerator, um, I think I mentioned to you the importance of having really good advisors, um, really good mentors. And so Rich was actually the first person that I met with. I remember we went out for breakfast. I think you even, you always treat, I feel bad. Yeah. You know? well, and, um, <laughs> and I said, what do you think? I mean, I don't, what do I, you know, should I do this? And he's like, you can definitely do this. And um, I go, well, you're going to, I, you know, you're going to be, a, you know, my, my, one of my advisors then, if you don't mind, so I can always bounce ideas off. So there's a lot more I could say, but I just wanted to, Rich, just, if you could, you want to say a few words in the start point, but I also just want to hear a little bit about your journey, you know, becoming a lawyer. You're from uh, the city, right? Are you from Long Island or the city? Uh, from Queens and then Queens. Um, moved out to Long Island. Like okay. the way it works down there, if, if, if you live in Queens, you move out to Long Island. And if you live in the Bronx, you move up to Westchester and that's, <laughs> okay. And if you live in Brooklyn, you pretty much stay there. Uh, so I, uh, so that, that's awesome. So you I came, came up here for law school, right? And came up here for college. You came up for actually. college. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your journey and then we'll get into your starting your firm and, and your, your own. Cause I do think we don't always think of lawyers as being entrepreneurs, but I think when you hang a shingle, there's definitely an entrepreneurial component to that. Would you agree? Uh, yes. Except you're right. I mean, about the least 
creative person you could think of is a corporate lawyer, right? I mean, you know, when you think of people, in fact, usually I always when I always thought of it as when you're a corporate lawyer, you know, you see those movies or hear those stories about people who like they went through something and their life changed. You know, they had some dead end job, then they took a chance. A lot of times, so there's the before and after. The before is usually a corporate lawyer. You know, it's like some, <laughs> some person like, oh yeah, I was making money, but working a million hours and some soulless job. Yes, um, all the Hallmark movies, I think. They, right. you know, they, they leave the corporate law firm to become like um, public defenders or something. Yeah, or, or you know, or, or like, you know, move somewhere to save elephants or something like that, or, you know, the, so anyway, so you're right. So, law, you know, you don't think of a corporate lawyer or any lawyer really as entrepreneurial. Um, and so one lesson there, by the way, is you could be entrepreneurial in anything you do. And you also, you also hear this phrase now, intrapreneurs. Have you guys talked about that? Okay. A little bit, yep. Yeah, in so that's... Company. You know, so I mean, you could be anywhere and be entrepreneurial, meaning you could try and change things or, or try and do things a different way. Um, my journey was pretty standard. Um, so growing up, by then I was living on Long Island. Uh, it was time to go to college. Didn't have any, we didn't have any money. Um, so I was either going to go to, I was going to go to Nassau Community College, which is the community college down there. Um, but but in those days, um, maybe still now, the um, the SUNY school, there wasn't that big a difference in tuition. So I wanted to go away. And so um, Stony Brook was too close. Buffalo was too far. So I went to Albany. And you got to remember, are there New York City people here? Any New York City background people? That's a good question. I don't know. Anybody? Anybody? No. If you come from New York City, Albany my relatives still think Albany is like the end of the world. You know, like, you know, whenever I would go to like a family thing, they'd be like, oh, you came all the way down from Albany. And you, you know, you know, down there, it could take as long to, to drive from, you know, from Brooklyn to Long Island as it does to right, drive. From right. Anyway, um, so I came up here, um, I went to college, uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, graduated, my best friend was um, uh, going to law school, my best friend and roommate. And uh, he was going to law school. He needed um, somebody to write his entrance exam. You know, they, the, the, you know, you, you, you have not an entrance exam, entrance essay. Um, you know, you're supposed to write an essay why I want to be a lawyer. And he couldn't think of anything. So he had me write it. And so when I wrote Is it. Is that legal? I, I, I figure any statute of limitations has. I don't want you to lose your law license here. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, no, I think he would lose his. But, oh. uh, and then he said, why don't you write one? So I wrote one. Um, the economy was in bad shape right then. So there weren't a lot of jobs around. So I wrote one and I got in and went to Albany Law School. Did um, he get in too? Not only did he get in, okay, but we got an apartment together and six weeks later, he drops out. Okay. He comes to me and, and, he, and he says, I, I don't like this. And I'm like, what? I just, what do you mean? So he changed your life. And then he goes and like, yeah. Um, and then he goes on, he he's become, goes on to become a business guy making a million bucks a year, you know, while I'm like slogging through law school and stuff. But uh, anyway, um, and, and so I, um, I went around in, in those days, the way you look for jobs was, you know, it was my last year of law school, like you would actually get your resumes printed up, like, you know, printed resumes. And I went down, you know, just found a tie somewhere and, and put on a tie and, and, you know, walked around downtown Albany, like 
giving out my my resumes to you know like basically the receptionists in the law firms you know and uh once in a long while one of the lawyers would come out and talk to me or something like that agree to talk to me i mean i didn't have an appointment or anything i was just dropping it off um which is why by the way now i always if anybody ever if any of you or anybody ever wants to you know talk about law school or jobs or anything i'm, I'm always very open to that because i remember it I, I just remember you know slogging around with uh with the resumes and you know trying to pass them out you know, so it really sucked so i uh I, I was always uh, kind of open to that. Um, I joined the law firm that had just started that day. So a guy was starting a law firm and he was going to start this firm with another guy from his firm. And like a week before they were gonna leave, the other guy dropped out. The guy said, I, I just can't do it. So now this guy was leaving his firm and, and, and you know he, he needed some help. He called a friend of a friend and, and uh, the friend recommended me. So my very first, so, took the bar exam on a Wednesday. Monday was the first day of the firm. Uh, wow. and, uh, yeah, my very first job was, uh, so my first day was the first day of the firm. And the first thing we did was we had to carry the conference room table off of the elevator. That was, you know, so uh, became, went there, got really into corporate law, really liked it, became a partner four years later, and then bought the place five years after that. And then I ran the place for 10 or 11 years and then sold it to my current firm. So now, you kind of carved out like a special niche, didn't you? I mean, you yeah. had an insight there that I think, um, you know, that's that entrepreneurial mind, I think, is that, you know, you just had an insight that I think other people were missing. Well, it, it, I don't know if you'd call it in. So the idea is, so when you're a lawyer, there's two ways to make money. One is to work millions and millions of hours, you know, which is, you know, what you do anyway when you start. But the ones who really make money are the people who bring in the business. You know, so in, in any firm, like a firm like mine, maybe 20% of the partners are bringing in business and maybe 80% of the, of the partners are doing the work. And the people who bring in the business make the most money. Um, and since I was in a firm from day one, it was easy for me to see that. So I was trying to get business, but, you know, I'm up here in Albany. I'm this, you know, kid from New York area. You know, I didn't know anybody here. You know, I hadn't gone to any of the, you know, any of the local schools, I didn't go to Siena or, you know, or, or, or anything like yeah. that. Um, and I was young, you know, and, and uh, so, you know, lawyer, nobody really trusts a young lawyer, you know, because we don't really know anything. So I didn't really have, I was trying to get business and I figured at least I'd start with people my age and the people my age were people who were either st were starting their own companies or were really low, you know, and um, I, uh, I started getting involved, but there were some groups that, that would have like these business plan presentations. And it was great. It was all these young people trying to start businesses, like technology businesses. Um, they didn't, none of them had lawyers because no, nobody had any money. So no, no lawyers wanted to spend any time with them. And I was more than happy to hang out with them and give them some free legal advice. So I don't know if it's that I saw an opportunity or if it's just, there was nothing else to do. So I did that. Um, and I got to know them and, you know, there were some clients I would give, you know, maybe three for three years, I'd maybe charge them a thousand bucks a year, which is not a lot um, from lawyer standpoint. Um, How did you offset that, right? So you had to get a couple, you had to land a couple, I'm assuming bigger names to kind of 
and you, and your partner. This is before, or this is before or after you bought this, the firm. This out. is before I. I was already. I, I brought in some other. I brought in some actual business too. But this was even. I was just an employee of the firm. So what I would do is I would. Um, I would do all my work. You know, bill all my hours, and then you know, in my extra time, go and you know, spend time with people and go to events and stuff like that. Um, but you're right. Once I bought the firm, I had to you know bring in enough regular work to keep the lights on. Um, you know, and I think, you know, we, part of, you know, any, any, you know, journey, I guess, but it's just part of it is just showing up. Right. I mean, like you, I remember that famous quote, like, you know, 80% of life is just showing up right. and, um, it is going to events, not in a cheesy way, but it's like making contacts and, you know, building those relationships. It doesn't, and the payoff, I think we want like instant gratification. Um, but a lot of times those relationships don't really produce in a business sense things until maybe way down the road you'd have to just care enough about the person to say well whether i get anything or not out of this i don't know what's your philosophy on that i mean just in terms of investing in yeah I mean, you, have, you have to do it and it, and it's scary because the one thing i did learn that's my biggest lesson that i pass on to everybody whenever i talk to any group or class whether you know is that all of the same business relationships are exactly the same as personal relationships. So all the stuff, all the insecurities, all the anxiety that you had, you know, going through high school, you know, and, and, and is exactly the same way it works in business. So you'll, you'll see somebody in business and, and somebody say, wow, that guy's an arrogant jerk. And, and you realize like, oh yeah, he is, but it's probably because he's insecure about something or, you know, or and they have the same groups. There's the cool people that everybody wants to be around. And then, you know, it's so- That's it's, why I have you on, Rich, because you're yeah. the cool guy. I want to be oh, around. Oh, I was going to say, I thought I have the nerd lawyer. <laughs> um, so you have the same anxieties in a business meeting as you do go into like a social thing. And so um, it was, I, I, I heard about these events um, and it was tough for me. You know, I like, so one event was this event at RPI. Um, and just, and, you know, I just drove out there and, you know, imagine it's like walking into a party where you don't know anybody, you know? So like you walk, you're walking in and everybody's networking and I didn't know anybody. I think I knew one person. I probably knew by the time I'm thinking about it, I probably knew Frank poor. Um, uh, and um, Frank, Frank was the one who actually turned me on to this, this thing, adventure B plan. Um, and Frank Poor goes on, by the way, to lead. We can say this because this was a, yeah. one of the great success stories. Is a billion dollar company, Commerce yeah. Hub. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, good if person to know. Him, you don't know that at the time. He's probably just a. Uh, is he still a master's? Is he still in school at that point, or is he out, out by no, then? No, no, he was he was starting his company. Okay. Uh, so. He was he he so um, if you're ever driving along 90, um, like near near the exit 24 toll booth and you know where they have like Albany Nanotech, like those big buildings on the uh, SUNY Poly, I guess, you know, um, you'll see the big commerce hub logo. Okay. Yeah. So that was nothing back in the guy who <laughs> started, exactly. it, it became a public company, et cetera. Um, but all I'm saying is you're just as nervous walking into a business meeting or a business situation as you are, you know, in my day, you know, like walking into the, you know, a dance or something at that in high school, you know, I don't even know if they still do that. They did when my kids went, but, uh, um, but the same kind of thing, you know, you walk in, if, if you're like me, you know, you're kind of standing against the wall, you know, you're listening to the music and like, you know, there's really no one to talk to. And so 
except in a business thing, they have the name tags, you know, and there's some people who'd be like, uh, so that's what I did. Um, and everybody seemed to know everybody else, which was kind of intimidating. And then they would sit down and do these business presentations. And I didn't know what the hell was going on because like, it was all technical stuff. And I'm, I'm just a lawyer, you know? So people are saying, well, we're using erbium dope fiber amplifiers for, you know, long haul fiber optic networking. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, but after a while, I became comfortable enough to at least ask people privately, um, you know, what did that mean, you know? And uh, people were very open to explaining that. So, um, so two lessons there. One is you're going to be just as nervous. And you're going to have all the same things going on in a business context as you do in, in a social context. So, which is a good thing because you already know how stuff works in society. Like you guys are already in the world. You already, you know, have friends and relationships. Um, all those skills are, are exactly the same in business. Like, it's not like there's some secret sauce to it. Um, the other thing is really important. If you don't understand something to ask, to, to ask, it's not a bad thing to not understand. I've sat in a million meetings with conference rooms with 20 people, you know, everybody making a lot of money and somebody would be saying something and finally I'll raise my hand. I'm like, I'm sorry, I just don't get it. Like, you know, you keep saying this and I'm like, it doesn't add up to me. And then everybody else says, yeah, I didn't get it either. I was going to say a lot of people, um, there's a guy named Roland Schmidt who passed away a couple years ago, who um, was the um, president of RPI for a period of time. He was also head of R&D, I believe, at GE. And um, he used to be on all these committees in DC. And he said he was always the guy that that asked the question that everybody else in the room wished somebody asked. So right. probably people have this, you know, the, like Rich just said, there's a question rolling in their head that they're too afraid to ask. They don't want to look stupid. But um, so um, you you you're gaining. So, but one quick question, by the way, are you? Yeah, you're. Rich talks a lot in public. He he speaks to many different groups. Um, you definitely, I go, you're, I was thinking about you this morning and I was thinking like, I don't know how many people can pull this off, but you are, I think you're a very humble guy who has swag. So I don't know how you pull that off. Cause usually you don't <laughs> think those things go together, but you have it. But uh, would swag, you say you're- Rick, swag to people in our, our generation is a lot different than, you know, actual <laughs> real life swag, you know. But you have, um, are you an introvert by, by nature or are you an extrovert, would you say? I will- um, I think I'm an introvert by nature um, yeah. because I will wait. Like I said, I'm you know in high school I was the guy who you know stood against the the side of the wall you know the, the in the gym. Um, so you and, have to, you know, Billy Crystal, the the, the actor, the comedian, he used to say that when he was so he's a guy who's been in movies, he's very famous, he's done stand up, you know, all this stuff. But he said I was the guy in high school that people would say at a party, "Are you okay? <laughs> Is everything okay?" <laughs> so. But my point, I guess, is that you have to put it on in a way when you go to an event. Yeah, I, I know I have to feel like I have to kind of not like be disingenuous, but you almost have to say, I'm here for a reason. And I have to kind of go outside of my, you know, cliche comfort zone. To, right. To do well, but, but now I, in the beginning, yes, I won't say I did. I mean, the only thing I did differently was I actually went and I forced myself to try and, you know, be in conversations with people. But I didn't say things that were, you know, insincere. Now, no, I mean, right, I've been doing right. this, you know, I've been a lawyer for like, what, 35 years. So, I mean, I've, I've been doing this, you know, right. 40 years, 35 years. Um, 
So now I walk into those places and, you know, I know most of the people, and, right, you know, they right, know exactly. me. And so it's easy. And so yes. uh, one of the things I tell our associates is even, even if one of our associates, you know, one of the young lawyers says, geez, I want to go to this chamber of commerce mixer, you know, uh, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll go along with you just so you have somebody to go with. Yeah. Um, you should yeah. always remember where you came from, which I think is, you know, just meaningful that you talk to people because you remember what it was like when you didn't know anybody. And, you know, so I want to talk a little bit about, cause you've seen so many entrepreneurs and you, and I don't know what your tally is. I don't know if you keep a tally about how many have actually made it. It's probably a range of, of those that have hit it, you know, the grand slams. Yeah. And then there's some that are still doing well, but they're chugging along some that maybe have not, um, they closed up shop. Maybe they are, you know, some of those CEOs, end up in other places and, right. and they still have skills that they gained from that experience. But um, is there a thread or you want to give me some themes maybe that stand out to you that maybe, you know, uh, the reader's digest version for some of these folks to say, here are some, maybe some things to avoid, or here are some things that I have found in my you know experience that really works well for the entrepreneur. I know it's kind of a broad question, but anything I, kind of stand out to you? I, again, I know I keep making this parallel, the same the same thing works in being an entrepreneur and presenting to investors or you know to different groups or to try to hire people or to try and get customers as it does in your real life you know first you got to be yourself you have to have some comfort level with yourself i mean we all have anxieties you know i mean every, you know i've every one of us has been, you know, I've been in conversations with, you know, high level people, you know, governors and senators, you know, and, you know, during the conversation, I'm like, I wonder, is there like something in my teeth or something like that? You know, as you know, is there something, but um, so you have to kind of be comfortable with yourself. The, the common thread for most entrepreneurs is most of them are, um, are very happy to talk about whatever their company is or whatever their passion is. You know what I mean? They might not be outgoing people, but they're really into, you, you can tell, like they light up when they talk about either their company um, or, you know, or their cause or their initiative or whatever. Um, and uh, they're, um, they're always thinking about their business. That's one thing that I do all the time, no matter like what I do, like I, I take a business thing from it. Um, I, I, and so no matter what they're experiencing in their life, they, they bring it to their business. Um, and uh, they also, at some point, they are, they are willing, once they trust you, they're they are willing to take advice from people. And that's the whole thing about being an entrepreneur, because everybody's, you know, at, at one, you know, you always hear the stories, oh, everybody said this wouldn't work, but he's stuck with it, or she's stuck with it, you know. So, you have to be kind of stubborn, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta listen to people. Um, the um, I, I'll give you one the the thing about taking things in 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 your life life things and bringing them to your business. Like fifteen, I don't know, fifteen twenty years ago, um, the Rolling Stones played in Albany. Remember this, Rick? They they did a couple of nights, and, and if you're my yeah, age, I do seem to remember that. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. you're my age, the Rolling Stones were the Stones were like the greatest band. Actually, that's what they used to call themselves, the greatest rock and roll band in the world. So um, that's a PR thing, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so I so to us this so uh, I went so a bunch you know I went and um, was able to get tickets, and the, and the crowd was all my age. You know, at the time it must have been like forty five, so it's like all older people and. Oh my God, the Rolling Stones are in Albany. So they come out, it's like a Tuesday night. 
And I was thinking, you know, they could just mail it in. You know what I mean? They, all they have to do is just show up on stage. And I'm like, oh my God, there's Mick Jagger. There's Keith Richard, you know, and you know, the whole thing. And they came out, it was a Tuesday. Um, and they just, they just blew the place away. I, they, they played for three hours, did, did three encores. I think Alanis Morissette was the opening act. And uh, oh, wow. afterwards she walked back to where I was sitting actually. And she just stayed and watched the whole show. And, and my takeaway from that, like that has nothing to do with being a lawyer, but I was like, wow, look, this is why these guys are so good because a Tuesday night in Albany, USA, you know, they, they, they bring everything they have and they brought all their energy. And I was like, that's, you know, cause when you're sitting in your office, you know, talking, you know, hearing for the 40th time about some litigation, you know, where you know how it's going to come out, you can tend to kind of go into autopilot. Anyway, that kind of passion, you know, that, that, that's kind of the essence of being entrepreneurial. I love that. I heard about like um, Joe DiMaggio, great for the New York Yankees. Mm -hmm. Used to say, um, I'm a Mets fan, but I do like Joe DiMaggio, that um, he always gave his best because he never knew if that was going to be some kid's one and only time at Yankee Stadium. And he did not want that kid going back home saying, he's not that great, you know, or whatever. So, he, so always putting it on, you know, giving your best. I mean, that really is a, um, so are there like, so is there any kind of like, there's certain companies I think of, I want to get your thoughts on it, that you really feel like really did it right. So like you talk about taking advice, for instance, and there's a mix again of um, confidence and yet still knowing what you don't know, which is why we do need people like last week, by the way, we had Deb Best on and, you know, HR. I mean, you know, and, you know, I mentioned before we had advisors, everybody, I mentioned we have advisors at the biz lab and Rich was, you know, again, one of my first ones. And as we had him in the house, basically he would, he or his team would assist startups. Um, so it's knowing what you don't know. And, you know, the guy that is making the widgets, he knows the widgets or she knows the widgets. They're very passionate about that. But you also got to be willing to know, like, I don't either know business. Maybe they don't even know business that well. Like they know their business and they think everyone's going to just, if you build it, they will come, which is not a super great business, <laughs> um, you know, philosophy necessarily. But so are there things that you see that like a company that really, or a CEO that you can think of on a positive side that like really did it well, yep. um, accepting, growing their team of advisors, growing, you know, making the right pivots when needed and, and those kind of things, and yet still had the confidence. And well, there are some things that we're not going to move on because this is who we are as a company or whatever, right? Right. And, 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 and again, you see that all the time because of what was said before, which is, again, especially if you're starting a company, you're saying, I'm going to do this a different way. And everybody's telling you it won't work and you have to ignore things, you know, but now, now say your lawyer comes in and says, well, this part of it isn't going to work. And they have to decide, do they override you, you know, um, it, or do they, or do they listen? So, um, there's some local companies. I think most of them are kind of not around as much. as So Fortitech was a, a local company. There was a guy named Walt Barisnak, um, went to SUNY. Did he go to Plattsburgh? He went to one of the SUNY schools, about, about my age. Um, went to a SUNY school, um, was working for, uh, they did like vitamin premixes. So, um, that, you know, based like additives for food and, and things like that. Um, and he starts this company and I, I worked with him 
he wasn't my client, but I worked with him a long time before. And the guy, you know, um, was became like one of the best manufacturing CEOs, you know, ever. You know, he really he knew his business really well, but he was really humble, and he had no problem saying, you know, here's what I want to do, you know, and you'd say, great, you know, or or, or you'd say, well. If you do that, then this, this, and this will happen. You know, are you good with that? Um, so he he was a. Uh, and then he ends up selling his business for six hundred million dollars, which you know is a pretty big deal up yeah. here or anywhere. Um, and uh, I was always impressed that he was one of the best uh, manufacturing CEOs I ever met. On on the service side, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Rosen Kiernan. Um, it's a local insurance agency, been around for a hundred years. Um, just sold to they just got acquired right yeah yeah we did that deal and um, yeah i saw that yeah yeah um you know we did the Ford tech deal also um and uh um there were two there, they had a great group of managers and the, the guys i worked with most were john murray who was their ceo and joe vitale their cfo so in a company like the cfo is the the money person and you know the ceo is the person who you know runs everything Gen, you know, the CFO, a lot of times it's their job to say no to everything, right? You know, because they they're like, no, it costs too much, you know, and the CEO is the visionary who said, you know, and, and, and who's supposed to say yes to so just, Do you guys all know what CFO stands for? Yeah. So C, CFO is chief financial officer. CEO is chief executive officer. Some people have COOs, chief operating officer. CIO, Chief Information Officer, et cetera. CTO. And, that, and so yeah. they, and so basically like CFO, like just to get back to your point is like, they're looking at the numbers, they're looking at the spreadsheets, they're, you know, we just don't have whatever. And they're not necessarily the guys that want to jump out of a plane and we'll figure it out when we land. Yeah, or, they or, know. Yeah, so or, or like overpay for an employee or something like that's where it usually comes up, you know, oh, this, 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 this woman's available, you know, we can get her for $150,000 a year or something like that. And oh, well, it's going to take her a while to turn into a, you know, an actual producer. And so we're going to lose money for a while. Um, but those two guys, Joe and John, they both fulfilled their roles perfectly, but they, they listened to each other. That, that's the other thing. Most of you who are going to be entrepreneurs, you'll probably have a partner or you know, somebody along with you. Um, either 50-50 or, or something else. And they really, they respected each other. They really, um, uh, you know, listened to each other. They know they each had a role, you know, and they, you know, you get pretty passionate in some of these, you know, in some of these discussions. Um, and I, I thought, I was like, here I am in Albany, you know, not the world's biggest town. And I feel like I've now met who I think is the best manufacturing CEO you know, and the best, you know, uh, professional or services, you know, C C CEO and CFO. Um, so just a lot of talent. Most of it was listening to people, finding that balance between being confident with, your, with yourself, but also being confident enough to, you know, listen to other people. Right? Um, I guess the best way to say it. I have more questions, but I want to open it because I want to make sure. Does anybody have some thoughts real quick? They want to, or a question they want to run by Rich? Lawyer questions too. Yeah. Ask the lawyer. This is your moment. Anybody? Megan, you had something during our topic on the uh, in the textbook that I thought might be able to turn into a question sure. for me. Sure. Um, in the text, it was just talking about how there are so many regulations for small businesses, um, particularly in hiring new employees, and it costs so much to hire new employees and to grow your business. Um, and so I guess my question would be, 
how do you know when it is going to benefit your business when the cost, you know, you do your cost benefit analysis and it, it's going to work out that it's going to be better for your business to spend the money, to do the paperwork, to learn the regulations, to hire a lawyer um, versus just, you know, staying, you know, smaller and um, not having to, you know, accrue all that cost. Yeah. And I had, and, and I had that problem when I started, when I bought my firm, you know, it was a pretty small firm and, uh, you know, we, we kept a, a real eye on costs. And that was always the question, when do you hire either a support person or when do you hire an attorney? You know, um, I always think, and I've always advised people, it's earlier than you think. Okay. So something like um, when you're starting to feel like, when you're starting to, to not be able to do the core things that you want to do because you're doing administrative stuff or something like that. Um, I, I, always, I always advise hire people earlier rather than later. Yeah, I know it's a pain. I know New York State has a million regulations uh, on hiring people, which, I mean, you could have a whole discussion about that, but um, I, I've always advised earlier. Um, and a lot of times, I, some of my best lawyers, um, I hired um, just because they happened to be available. You know, uh, you know, somebody was moving out of New York City and was moving up here for whatever reason. And I grabbed them, even though I knew I didn't have work for, and I was very open with them. I said, look, I know I have work for, for six months. I can keep you busy for six months, okay? I'm hoping that it takes off from there. Um, but I, it's always earlier, you know what I mean? Um, if, you're, if you're full up doing stuff, um, then it's time to hire somebody. Um, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You should be very open about saying, hey, listen, you know, I, I could wait six months, but I'm, I'm going to hire you now. But just so you know, it could be a little rocky. Thank That's you. Good. That's good. Somebody else? Anybody else? Are there um, things that you've seen where the, uh, I don't know, the CEO or there were pitfalls that could have been avoided? Uh, yeah. That, yeah, that's, I mean, and, that's really the biggest job of a lawyer uh, is, is, I mean, the people's business, I always say this, we're the jockey, we're not the horse. You know what I mean? Uh, the, uh, like we can, you know, jockeys are really great and, and they're great athletes and everything, but all they can really do is kind of guide the horse. That's you know, awesome. I love that analogy. Yeah. And uh, Rich owns a horse, by the way, or how many yeah, horses do you own? Uh, I own pieces of three or four right now. Okay. Um, a leg here. Uh, with, by the way, my still best friend, the guy who talked me into going to law school and then who, who dropped oh. out left me with the apartment on Dana Avenue. Um, I like that example though. So you're trying to help, you're, you, you want them to succeed and you're, you're an outside, right. like you have a different, you have not only the, the law, but you also have, you're not so into the thick of things that you can give a very unbiased opinion or, or right. not just opinion, but expert insight. But it's their company. You, you know what I mean? And that, that's the thing. And so um, the only time things really get passionate between me and a client is when I think um, uh, is, you know, when I think they're just doing something really wrong um, and, you know, um, it's still their money and they're, you know, they can do that. Um, but, you know, when, if I think they're being unrealistic, you know, uh, then, and, and now, you know, I've been doing this long enough and I've had a good enough success record with, with my clients, you know, that, 
you know, I, I can say something and people might listen. Um, Have you ever had to say, um, well, you felt like maybe you weren't providing, like they weren't listening to you. So you finally said, you know, this is probably not a good fit for me. And like, I, yeah. I hate to use the expression file your client, fire your client. Cause that has a little bit of bravado in there, but. No, I I, yeah, I do that all. I, what I do is and, and early in my career too. I mean, like I was like five, 10 years out, which is not for a lawyer. That's not very long. I, I, um, I just got, I just got pissed at people who would hire me, ask for my advice, and they just not take it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm spending all this time, I'm reading the contract, I'm coming up with these ideas, and I tell you to do this, and you're like, okay, and, and if you're just never going to listen to me, that's fine. Maybe it's an ego thing for me, but there's plenty of lawyers out there, you know, I, I just don't. It's not about the money. I mean, I know, obviously, money helps pay the bills, and, yeah. you know, but it's more than that. You're like, my time is valuable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, and I, I think, yeah, to me, it's, it's almost like a disrespect thing. I, look, there's a lot of times where you say, look, if you do A, this will happen. If you do B, this will happen. Your call. Like most of the time that I said, it's your call. You know what I mean? And, but there's some times where, you know, if I just constantly tell people, you know, we've had this conversation again, like in a relationship, we've had this conversation 10 times, you know, right. and nothing ever changes. I mean, it's, it's no better in business than it is in, in an actual relationship. Well, I've said that to people, even like when I've sent them to go to you or anybody else as an advisor, I'm like, you need good advisors, but look at don't these. And I will say, I don't know why I can't speak for other regions and I'm probably it's the truth too, but I'm biased because I live here. We have a lot of general people are very generous with their time. Um, you know, Walt Barisnak is, I thought was very, I mean, I've talked to him, you know, multiple times that, but I'm like, I'd always say, don't waste their time. Like, it's okay not to like I've mentioned before, and Rich, I'm sure you could, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you probably would agree with this. You could talk to two different entrepreneurs who will give you completely different opinions. Some will say, you don't need a business plan because it's not worth the paper it's written on. Others might say, you better have a business plan. So there's probably going to be some people, have, but the right. point is, are you taking it in and making a, letting that be part of your decision? Or if you're like, I'm already, don't confuse me with the facts my mind's made up, then you're wasting Rich's time or you're wasting somebody else's time who's like trying to give you thoughtful insight based on their own experience that might be useful for you yeah um and and the mistake a lot of lawyers make is you know they they say well you just can't do that you know they pull rank you know they say you can't do that you know and most of the time that's not the answer you can you can do whatever you want i mean not if it's illegal um but you know um you you can do whatever you want Uh, so you can't say you can't do that all you can say is you know um, here's some things you may want to think about. Here are some things, here's some guardrails maybe you put in place. Right. Um, so, um, I don't know if, what would you tell a young group of, now, not everybody here, um, is necessarily going to start a business. There are some, some have already started businesses or in the midst oh, really? of their next what stage. Can I say Like, what kind of, can you give me some examples of the businesses? I'll let them jump in. Tell folks jump in because my memory isn't what it used to be. Um, what are, some of it, I know Teddy, you started a business, right? Yeah, so um, I mean, it's a very small business. It's just like Etsy stuff that I've done. Um, it's honestly not done like a whole lot of income or anything, but um, I'm actually currently in a uh, business plan development course through the Albany Chamber of Commerce. Oh yeah. Uh, which I'm working on. I'm going to be working on a business plan to propose to the chamber um, in April, uh, which is going to be hopefully an alternative fashion brand. Really? 
Very cool. Um, somebody else. Thank you very much, Eddie. Somebody else. Um, is it Olivia? Are you raising your hand? No, or... I wasn't my hand, but I do work as a nail technician, so I'm my own boss at a salon in Albany. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And Anybody all the, else? So, so you're like an, you're like an independent contractor, right? Like it's your you, you like rent out the booth, and and then yeah. your customers are your customers. Right. So you have to do business. Anybody else? Edward, are you? Do you have a? Yeah, I. I'm I'm planning on doing like a commission service for art. Interesting. You mean like matching up artists and buyers? Uh, no, it's like putting my own skill out there for people to commission oh. out work for projects or businesses. Like people need logos, of? people need uh, their designs printed out. Some people just don't have the artistic talent to put it on paper themselves. That's kind of the point of commissions, right? Right. Um, there's a, a there's a client of mine who um, they're called Film Up. If you ever go to Instagram, go to Film Up on Instagram. Um, this guy, he was uh, I met him when I was lecturing at Ithaca College, and they put it, it's basically a clearinghouse where filmmakers people who, who work on making videos, it's not art, but it, it's videos, um, will, let's say, you know, you're a company and you need a video done, you don't know who to reach out to or something, you, you reach out to film up and they can find you, you know, video people, editors, actors, the whole thing. And if you're an actor and you're looking for a gig, you could, you can do it as well. Um, and uh, just, but the idea of kind of matching up, you know, there's people who, who know they have a need, but don't have the skill. You know, and so it's the idea of, of, of finding that. But do that one day. Go to go to on Insta. Go to uh, go to film up. The other cool client we have. Speaking of Instagram, is um, Quadio, um, Q U A D I O. They're they're on. I think it's Quadio Technologies. But go go to Quadio on Instagram, and um, they uh, this by the way. Rick had, has a kind of a, a capital district. I was referred to them by Walt Rob. Uh, but oh. uh, yeah, uh, and uh, but if you go to Quadio, it's music sharing for musicians on campuses. So and, and you know, just they they pick all these great musicians from you know schools all over the country, and like they share the music and stuff like that. Um, Is there so, a mindset like? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying. There's a, so there's there's a lot of business models built around art. And the arts, you know, and, and and you know, just creative endeavors that you wouldn't think would be necessarily, you know, business based. Is there a thing, you know, I was going to ask you about the best advice you ever got and worst business advice you either got or gave. You can be either one. One of the best business, but before I get to that, you made me think of something. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people have ideas. Now, not every idea is a great idea, right? But you know, they think there's got to be a better way. Usually it's out of a pain, maybe it might be something meaning like this is so frustrating. I'm going to create my own way of like right. there's a um, sports sign up, which became Sports Illustrated, something. Yeah. It was like his, um, it was a husband and wife. The wife was responsible for the soccer, their kids' soccer team um, registrations or whatever. Right. And the husband, was like you're spending way too much time in it so one day he went down i think it literally was in his basement and coded something and then because it was solving his own problem i want to see my wife more i think right. is what it was you know and 
it, then next thing you know, it's like this actually could be a business because other soccer uh, recreational leagues maybe have the same issue. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's not just soccer. Maybe it's other sports and blah, 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 blah. But um, it's so don't ever dismiss, I guess you have a good idea, but then what do you do with that? You know, I think about like, um, you know, it's people get intimidated. It's like, do I have to go out and get a patent lawyer and all this kind of stuff? And they spend a lot of money on some things when they haven't done enough of the due diligence to say, well, people are going to really buy it. There may be a better nail clipper out there, but if I can get one for 59 cents at CVS, I probably don't care that this nail clipper is better. It right. doesn't make my nails fly all over the place. I have to go look at it. Yeah, um, and I think the moral to that is you, you all, everybody has lots of good ideas. Not every, you're right, not every good idea has to be a company and not every good idea has to be a new company. It, it, it's, it's very possible. There's already somebody doing something close to what you're doing and maybe you go and work with them and get that gig. Except, that's good. You know, it, to me, and, and that's where you get into the entrepreneurial thing. So you go to somebody and, and you know, um, uh, you, you go to somebody who's doing something pretty close to what you're doing and, and you say, I, you know, I have a different spin on it, you know, but I'd like to do it here or something. So it doesn't mean you have to start your own company. So if you have that kind of idea though, I know that you don't have, I know NDAs, you have kind of mixed thoughts on that. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I remember, you know, because people can violate it and that kind of thing. Right. But if you were going to go to a company, because Rich, I've never, that's a really good point. Not everybody, not every idea is a company and maybe, you know, fitting into something else. Um, they probably should talk to, at that point to a lawyer to say, am I, how do I handle this without just bringing it to somebody at a company who may say, oh yeah, we already thought of that, right? Because right. that's a common refrain to a great idea. It's like, oh yeah, I already, I thought of that seven years ago. Right. So um, would you have any guidance on that? Because I, I really like that perspective actually. It's not everybody's going to necessarily start a business, but they may be part of something. Yeah, it depends on how unique it is. So let's say um, if there's a say, let's say you have an idea for something that uh, like right now, everybody's, everybody's trying to sell this to, you know, people 60 years old, but you actually think there's a market there for, you know, 25 somethings or, you know, Gen Zers or something. Maybe you go to that company. Um, I don't know that's necessarily a, a patentable idea, but maybe you go to somebody who's doing that and say, I, I, I really love your product, but I think you could market it to somebody else. I don't think you need a, a non-disclosure agreement for that or something. But if you're really going to propose something different, something new, yeah, a lot of times you'll 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 get a non-disclosure agreement, you know, one two-page agreement that everybody has seen. They're all over the internet, um, and you say, "Look, I'd like to talk to you about this." You know, uh, generally, here's what it is: it's, it's an idea for taking your market and finding, you know, a new demographic for it. And I have some ideas about it. Would you be willing to talk to? Them? Yeah, a lot of times they'll sign an NDA. Now they might, after they hear it, they might say, "I, I really did know about this." You know, we were we tried this four years ago. Um, but yeah, that's a good. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, that's it. No, I, I think that's a good point. I, I would just give you one caution piece of that. I like what you just said, because maybe you want a job at this company. And so where you can sell yourself and saying, by the way, you know, I think um, you're missing part of the market. You, you know, the one caution part I would say is I had this one person several years ago, they came to where I work and they wanted to do some web development, but what they did was they completely criticized us. Now, some of the things they said may have been relevant. You know, we, we did make an upgrade in our, this is many years ago. Um, that, you know, we made tweaks and changes and that stuff, but they, they wanted to so come across as the expert that 
it was a little bit of a turnoff and they, and I just, I didn't, it wasn't my place. So I just kind of let them right. kind of hang out there, but you know, so you want to go in looking competent for sure. And optimistic and whatever, you know, all those wonderful traits of, I have a new perspective on something without right. necessarily completely dissing the company as being, am I right? I don't know. Yeah, no, you are, you are. And that, look, that's where a lot of these new ideas come from. It's not necessarily people sitting around, come up. It, it's what you said before. It's something you've encountered in your life where you're like, ah, oh, it's got to be a better way of doing this. Or I found, you know, a good workaround for this, you know, or, or this is interesting to me. Or a lot of times it's people working at companies, especially locally. That's where a lot of our startups come from. People working at a company and, and they're like, God, this is costing us so much money. Or, you know, how could, how could we not have something for this? The guy we were talking about before, Walt Barisanak, the $600 million man. Uh, he, uh, um, I mean, the way he came up with it was he was working at, 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 at a company and they always had trouble getting certain ingredients. You know, it like there was, and, and he said, wow, it's so hard. I'm spending all my time trying to find these ingredients. What if I was the guy who actually provided those ingredients? I'd have a ready-made market, you know, yeah. and, and, and yeah. that's what he did. Um, yeah. You know, I'm also thinking of global spec. It was these guys, yeah. GE, that he was involved in procurement, meaning like the purchasing of various components for GE products. And it would spend a multitude of his time doing that. And he said, there's got to be a better way. So this is an after hours thing at home, yep. working on it. And anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, Rich, you were going to say something else. Google. Nicole, you had your hand up before. Because I, um, I, I wanted to hear, did you, did, did you have a company that you're working on? So um, me and my uh, best friend actually are starting something, but I'm currently right now in an MLM. So um, I've been doing that for about almost five years now. What are you doing? I didn't, I didn't hear that. Um, oh god what are they concerned okay so like anything like beach body it works stuff like that um so i'm a consultant for uh intimacy products um i've been doing that for about four or five years now um and me and my that's how me and my best friend met each other well she is very artsy um she's starting to um do resin and like products with resin and everything like that um, so her and I actually have been talking the past couple of weeks about, I have so many clientels from meeting all these people from the past four or five years. So I have a huge social media following. Um, she does not. So we're actually working on something to get all of her products out there. I'm going to be the one helping her to sell her and get all those clients. Um, so she's going to get me a cut out of all of her product. And she was like, well, how do we do this? So I've been like, giving her explanations of how we're going to break everything down and right. what my percentage is going to be for like the finder's fees of all of these clients. Um, so we're actually getting that up and running in the next like month or so. Very cool. So, so cool. we're getting close to the end. So I thank you very much. And um, Rich, thanks for your insight. Cause I didn't, I didn't see your hand up there, Nicole. So thank you. Um, Rich quick, Two quick questions, yeah. either, and you can answer it any way you want. It's either the best business advice you ever got and or gave, and then let's end on a positive. So let's start with the worst advice you ever got or gave that turned out to be like, oh, I was off on that one, or they were off on that one when they told it to me. And then we're ending on a positive note, the best advice you ever gave or got. 
I don't know if it's the worst advice, but I was told early on by somebody I was working with um, as a lawyer. Um, they said I, I, we were in a meeting and somebody asked a question, and I said, you know, I don't know. I'll you know I'll check. You know, I, and afterwards the guy we walked out of the meeting and the guy said to me, I never admit that I don't know something. He said I never admit in front of a client you don't know something, and it that was a few years out. And I felt like, all right, but I'm thinking, I, but I don't know, it's the law. I mean, there's a lot of laws out there, you know, and they're changing all the time. Like, you know, so that was, and that kind of set me back a little bit because I, it took me a while then to realize that, no, you got to get comfortable with saying you don't know something. So I'm not saying that was the world's worst advice, but. No, but that's, um, that's a good point. I, I think, because my whole ethos now is, look, you know, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Um, yeah. I kind of think yeah. the best, so when I bought my firm, okay, so I was, I, I was hired by a guy, he started a firm, okay? Um, and uh, I worked for him, I became a partner, um, and then he left and, and we did a buyout. So I, I, I bought out the firm. And it got, you know, it got kind of tense, you know, I mean, he's leaving, you know, I'm, you know, he's the seller, I'm the buyer, you know, we have different needs, you know, he wants to sell for more, I want to sell for less. And, you know, everything's fine now, but you know, there was, there was some tension, you know, a little bit of acrimony and I went to, so I was going around to all my clients, you know, um, and uh, one of them was, do you know, Ken Bubeck? Rick, is that a guy, you know, Ken Bubeck? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. So I go to Ken and that, you know, right after now, now I've bought my, I bought my firm such as it is. And, and, you know, I'm still a little bit angry and, and uh, I, um, and I went to him and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm really, and, and you know, I'm angry about this. And I want, and, and he said, you know, what's the best thing you can do? He's like, just put your anger aside. It's like the best thing you could do. Don't down talk anybody. Don't take shots. Even if you feel like somebody's taking shots at you, the best thing you go out there and just be successful, be positive and be successful. And it, it I don't know, it, it struck me really well because I was like, I was like, oh, I think he said something bad about me, which he didn't, but you know, so I'm going to say something back. And um, so that's the best business advice, you know, um, it's not necessarily a zero sum game. You can, you know, just be positive, um, do well, you know, the best revenge, if that's what you want to call it, is doing well on your own. That's awesome. That's can I great. Take, can, I, can I take a screenshot? You guys okay with that? Sure. Yeah. Well, I want, I want you guys okay with that? Up. Everybody good? I think I'll do Everybody that too. Good? Ready? Big smile. Yeah. That's where my dad stuff, uh, my dad stuff kicks in. Um, if any of you guys have questions or anything like that, Rick, you have my, uh, you have my. Um, Rich, uh, you have to send me, send me yours, would you? Because you probably know how to do it better than me. Were you actually? Was that? Is that how you take a screenshot? You actually? No, not it? usually. Did I was, I was goofing. That's like something I would do. Um, <laughs> but if seriously, you have my, um, my email. If anybody wants to uh, has a question or or anything like that, just ping me, um, and uh, you know, be happy to talk to you. Yeah, I got to tell you, Rich has invested in so many people. And um, I tell people like, if I don't know, like what I've even went to him, my daughter got a, I don't know if I should say this on recording now, but like a speeding ticket. I didn't know who to go to. I knew Rich wasn't the lawyer for that, but I knew Rich, Rich is my one point, my, you know that, what's that one uh, website, advisor.com or finding an, um, you know, to do work, whatever you go to, home advisor. Oh. Right. Okay. Rich is my lawyer advisor.com. So 
you know, I needed something for the biz lab for, um, you know, remember I was like creating the virtual fund network oh, yeah. and there's various rules about raising or helping raise funds. And I don't know those laws at all. And so Rich is like, well, I'll give a quick read through, but I'm going to pass it on to our SEC uh, experts, Security Exchange Commission experts. And then they added some other things to make sure that we were in complete compliance. Cause you know, you can, it's not like breaking a law where you know, like you're going through a red light. You can break laws without any, you know, ill intent whatsoever. And that's why you need people like Rich. So give it up for Rich. And thank you very much, Rich. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Nice meeting all of you. Thank you. Take care. Bye now. Thank right. you. Have a great rest of your day. And thanks again, Rich. Really appreciate it. All right. Bye. Bye.